I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Joey Barton. There's controversy in the face again. Joey Barton is fucking mental. And all of a sudden, Joey just walked over and just went... Bang. He punches children, quotes Nietzsche, and once sunk his teeth into his own club captain. All everybody speaks about is this tackle. Nobody speaks about uh, a 50-yard pass. And that is just the tame stuff. From cigars in eyes to zoo animals on the loose, this is the story of the thinking man scumbag. I'm a street fighter. If you, if you put me in the corner, I'll fight you. I'm Jack. I'm joined as always by Zach. Hello, Jack. Hello, mate. And we've got Mr. George Cooper with us today. Hello, Jack. Hello. How are you doing? You good? I'm very well. This is an emergency podcast, guys. Yeah. Because, well, Joey Barton's been in the news a bit, hasn't he? He has, yeah. So in the past week, if you've been living under a rock, you will have perhaps missed that Joey Barton's been in an absolute rampage on Twitter. Uh, he basically completely lost it and started ripping into female commentators saying that they're not qualified to speak about the men's game. He then went on this bizarre rant basically calling out anybody who disagreed with him as a eunuch <laughs> which if you if you don't know a eunuch is a man who has been castrated they were like placed in medieval courts to guard female quarters and basically if you disagree with joey barton you were one of them you've had your balls chopped off it's his it's his point proper 4chan incel subreddit kind of behavior isn't it <laughs> yeah and he's kind of been drifting towards that for a while, maybe undercover, but this is a big, sudden. Is it a meltdown or is it a cynical publicity stunt? I do think overall that it's a publicity stunt to try and keep himself relevant and cynical, as you said. Yeah, but he's going about it in a very, very odd way. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, we'll talk about that a bit, but so much mental shit has happened in Joey Barton's life. Before we begin, I should just say that this episode contains quite a lot of violence and some of it is really unpleasant. So, if that's not your thing, then I would suggest turning off. I think we should just get into it, into the full story. Yeah, let's Is this it. his origin story? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> think of him, and he has been describing himself as Batman, have you seen? Yeah. He's saying that like, I'm here to save Gotham City, which is slightly unhinged. He's probably more Joker, I think, more sort yeah. of incel taking revenge. Yeah. But so much mental shit has happened in his life, it is a bit like the origin story of a superhero villain. <laughs> yeah, so I think, I think it's right that we start off in his childhood, because... That is put forward often as an explanation for why he turned into such a nutter. And to be fair, he, he did have a, a very rough upbringing. So he, he grew up on a really tough council estate in Highton on the a sub, sort of suburb of Liverpool. And 
it was a rough place to grow up. Joey said himself that it operated on its own set of predetermined but unwritten rules, uh, a lot of which rotated around violence really and he was he, he was surrounded by a lot of violence growing up so his dad was part of a hooligan group called the heightened baddies who followed liverpool and, and everton as well around europe in the 80s just basically wreaking havoc wherever they went they also ran all the local pubs in the area there was this one story that jerry mentions in his book about the baddies that one time, so so there was this traveling circus that used to come to town every year. They'd like set up on the common. And this one year, the circus strongman, who I'm picturing like bald head mustache in a, in a red leotard, was, uh, <laughs> was drinking in one of the local pubs with his girlfriend, who was a trapeze artist. And one of the like top guys from the, from the baddies started trying it on with her. I was like trying to chat her up. And the circus strongman picked this guy up and threw him through the window of the pub. Um, so he's like lying there in surrounded by like broken glass and the strong man wisely makes himself scarce pretty quickly. It's like something out of a cartoon, isn't it? Really? <laughs> yeah, Did he have yeah. a sort of like swirling load of birds around his head? <laughs> the big lump appear on his forehead. Like, ate <laughs> a can of spinach and carried on. Yeah, yeah it, does sound, it does sound quite a lot like a sort of local legend, this, yeah. this story, but... The following day, the apparently a 200 strong mob of the baddies stormed the circus during a show, beat up the performers, torched the tent and then released the circus animals. <laughs> so there's these stories about apparently a, a lion was shot dead on the high street by police. There was a an elephant that was like rampaging across the common until this sort of SWAT team of vets like helicoptered in and... and Got control, yeah. Harpooned it with a tranquilizer, tranquilizer dart. dart and like Shit. regained control. But is there any like photographic evidence of this? No, just uh, internet forums, internet forums, <laughs> <Just> <laughs> local legends. But, but Joey, Joey does mention it in his book. It's probably one of these stories that there was. There's some element of truth in it, and it's every time the story's told, it gets a little bit, little bit madder. But you imagine being at that circus just as a punter, and yeah. then that kicks off yeah you get your money the baddies yeah yeah she's like is this part of the show <laughs> <laughs> like comic book yeah yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. but his his dad was a non-league footballer as well and there's a story from one match he he gets sent off i think he's been getting some stick from the fans for the whole game and he gets sent off and as he's walking off the pitch he jumps the barriers punches this fan in the face who turns out to be an off-duty policeman knocks out two of his teeth and then basically he's like, fuck, I need to get, get away. So legs it out of the stadium. None of his teammates will tell the police who it was. They like pick him up at a service station on the way home. And apparently he then had to, for the next two or three months, they like got in a ringer to play under his number in the matches because the police kept turning up to arrest him. <laughs> um, but this sort of violent streak starts to rub off on Joey. So there's a, another story when Joey's about about 10 and he he's out playing football with his with his mates and he, he's on his way home and takes like a, a sort of back route through the houses, which wasn't a smart decision because he gets jumped by a group of boys from another, another gang who are a couple of years older, I think. And they beat him up a bit and nick his football. And Joey then comes back home, like comes through the front door and he's like, he's bit cut and bruised and and crying and goes to his dad and tells his dad what's happened and his dad's just like 
wait there, Joey, goes to the cupboard under the stairs, fishes around and digs out a baseball bat and comes back, hands Joey the baseball bat, shoves him out of the door and is like, you're not coming home until this is sorted. Cheer. Which, <laughs> as a, I don't think that was in the parenting 101 guide. <laughs> yeah. I mean, when we look back at the end of the episode and you're like, why does Joey Barton always use violence to resolve these situations? Yeah. Like, well, I mean, you're starting to, you're starting to piece it together. Yeah. That's mad. Um, yeah. Did he, did he, yeah. So he then, the so he, then he, he went back and found the, found the boys and like chased them off with a baseball bat and he got his football back. So <laughs> this is all <laughs> in Barton's autobiography. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. These are stories. Yeah. Which is, which is actually a really good read. I would say the opening chapters are mental. Yeah. Really yeah. mental. Yeah. Like, it's, it's a mad childhood. Yeah. It does explain a lot. So does, so obviously he's beating up some lads with a baseball bat age 10, was it? I think he was 10. Yeah. So at that point, is he just like, a hard, hard bastard from that point. Yeah. So he, he talks a lot. There's multiple stories in, in the autobiography about him just like getting into scraps. He, yeah, I think he, he was, he already had quite a violent streak. He, he, one time he talks about beating up this kid and stealing his bike when he was about seven years old. It's just like, okay. Right. Yeah. It's starting to make sense now. Anyway, I guess the saving grace for Joey is he's fucking good at football and he gets rejected by a few clubs as a youngster particularly Everton. He supports Everton and that's quite um, a big formative moment for him. He's really upset about it, but he eventually gets picked up by Man City and spends a few years in the academy and age 20, he's all set to make his debut. Kevin Keegan's the manager at the time and he names Barton on the bench for a Premier League game and Joey thinks, yeah, maybe this is my chance. And in the second half, Kevin Keegan says, Barton, you're on, get get ready. And uh, there's just one small problem. Joey has put his shirt underneath his seat and a fan has pinched it during the halftime break <laughs> and he hasn't got a shirt. So he's like panicking. Keegan's like, come on, mate, why aren't, you, why aren't you ready? He turns to the crowd, Joey, and is like, look, one of you's taking my shirt. Please, please, can I just have it back? But he's just met with, you know, blank faces. <laughs> no one's helping. Anyway, he says, says to Keegan, someone's nicked my shirt. And Keegan's like, well, you can't play then. And he can't go on. They send on Ali Benabia instead. And... Joey doesn't make another Man City squad for five months after that. So what oh, should have been his debut, mm. this special moment, is a disaster. And apparently the press of a field day, because Man City are a bit of a comedy club back then. Things always seem to go wrong. Keegan actually makes a really unfair comment to the press. He says, coming from Liverpool, Joey should have been used to that kind of thing. It's like, what? <laughs> Why are you having a dig at <laughs> Liverpool? It's definitely a, it's, it's a bit of a slur, isn't it? Yeah, it's a massive slur. Yeah. Anyway, uh, I think Barton's pretty pissed off. But he does eventually make his debut um, after five months. And within a couple of years, he is a regular in the first team. He's real, really nailed down his position. He's about 22 at the time. Unfortunately, this is when disciplinary incidents start to creep in. The first of which uh, involves Joey going on a lad's night out with a mate. And they, the club has these uh, cars that the players can use. They're like shared cars owned by the club. And Joey and his mate take one on a joyride and it gets very out of hand. They end up spinning off the road and crashing through the glass windows of a car showroom. You know how they've got those big glass windows? Yeah. And so they're panicking, like the alarms are all going off, the glass is everywhere, they're covered in it and they just ditch the car and do a runner. And they try and get a cab home to avoid like the police, but the cab driver dobs them in to the police. <laughs> I guess he'd seen the glass on them when they were talking about it. And they get, they get arrested. He actually gets off pretty lightly. He gets a bollocking from Kevin Keegan. And they only find him, like, I think it's 150 quid or something. 
I'm just imagining them calling the cab while standing next to the like smash showroom windows. Yeah, like, guys, yeah. <laughs> so at least walk around the corner. <laughs> I think in his defense, he hadn't been drinking, which which counts no, for a lot in those scenarios. It's just a shit driver. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the damage to the car showroom was surely far exceed 150 quid. Not that he'd have to pay for it out of his own pocket, but like, it seems like he got off scot free for. He had to pay off the damage, so maybe it was 150 quid a week, like it was in installments. I right, think he was still okay. on quite a small contract mm. at that point. Anyway, you know, it's basically a slap wrist, but a few months later, there is an incident which is a much bigger deal. This is probably the most infamous Joey Barton story of all. It's the Man City Christmas party, and it's a big night out. Everyone's had a skimful. Things are already pretty chaotic. So early on, Nicholas Anelka and his mates get into a massive fight in the VIP area of this nightclub and all the city players have to flee and go to another bar. So it's, it's already a pretty wild night. Uh, everyone's pissed. Joey's a first team regular and he that night he gets into a bit of a disagreement with a youth player called Jamie Tandy who Barton doesn't really rate. He thinks he's a shit player. He thinks he's a bit lippy. And Joey... There's some debate about whether Joey was dressed as Jimmy Savile or not. So, Barton insists that he went as John Lennon in his book. It's the cigar, gold chain, tracksuit, it's like giveaway. All the other witnesses say it was Jimmy Savile and Joey Barton's book did come out after Jimmy Savile was sort of unmasked. So I don't know if that's part of it. Anyway, he says he was John Lennon. Either way, after like exchanging a few barbs with Jamie Tandy, Joey decides to get one over him by setting his costume on fire. Basically setting him on fire. Uh, which he does, and Jamie Tandy's really upset. Um, he's like complaining about how expensive the costume was. I mean, he's just like a youth team player, and it was—I think it was a rental. Um, anyway, he he decides to get his own back on Joey by setting Joey's outfit on fire. Which, if he was dressed as Jimmy Savile, probably went up pretty quickly, right? <laughs> Polyester tracksuit, <laughs> the wig just <laughs> inflamed in seconds. Or if it was his John Lennon mop top, maybe yeah, that one. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. And Barton then, in his book, writes about it. He's like, the gobshite invited retaliation, which is a bit fucking rich because <laughs> he set his costume on fire first. <laughs> anyway, what happens next is pretty famous. But the way Joey Barton tells it in his book is that he reached for an ashtray to smash over Jamie Tandy's head, but it was bolted down. So instead, he grabs a cigar that's smoldering on the ashtray. And he claims that he, he just wanted to put the cigar out on the back of Jamie Tandy's head which is still <laughs> still horrible. I don't know, it's still some sort of assault, right? It's like it, even more cowardly than doing it because it, it, it's like the guy's not even looking. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, also an ashtray over the head's pretty, like that's quite serious, isn't it? Yeah, you go to prison for, you could that, kill someone. That could kill you. Yeah. yeah. Well, there's going to be a lot of broken glass in this episode. <laughs> anyway, Barton says that Jamie Tandy turned around at the wrong moment. Either way, the cigar ends up in Jamie Tandy's eye, oh, burns him. Oh, Tandy's like, ah, you know, huge scream. So Tandy goes to the bathroom with a senior player to inspect the damage and the player comes out and it's like, Joey, you've, you've put the cigar out in his eye. It's his eye. Like that could be really serious. And you know, most people I think in that scenario would be like, oh my God, is he going to lose his eyesight? Like I need to apologize. But Jamie Tandy's brother is also there. And when he comes over to Barton storming over to be like, what have you done? Joey decides that the right way to handle the situation is to punch him four times. So he like knock, knocks Tandy's brother out. And then Tandy emerges from the bathroom with like one hand over his eye being like, my eye! And Barton resolves this situation by punching him once in the stomach and in the face, knocking him to the ground. And I should add, this is Joey Barton's account of events from his book. So I'm sure others might have even you know further horrifying details. He's pretty unapologetic. His view is that like, Tandy deserved it. 
he obviously didn't want to do the cigar in the eye, but he certainly wanted to do a lot of damage. What's he done to deserve a cigar in the eye? It will be accidental or not. Like, what, what has he done? Like, what? He's a gobshite. He's a gobshite. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I, it's I despicable. Mean, look, he may or may not have been quite lippy, and he might have been giving it large, but it feels like a disproportionate punishment. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, the next day, Barton tries to get to Tandy first before the club do, and is like, look, I think it's in both of our interests if we play this down. And like, you know, you say it's an accident. Tandy's like, fuck off, mate. <laughs> is, is, is that in both of their interests? No. He's just there with like an eye patch on. Yeah. <laughs> it's in my interest if you do this. So anyway, Tandy just says to the club what happens. And Joey gets a 60 grand fine. He gets... The FA, I think, ban him for six matches. It was going to be 12 and they suspend half of it. How is that a six match ban? I'm sorry. That's like... Anyway, Tandy, his, he says my career never really recovered. He ends up on loan in Denmark. It doesn't work out. And Barton... He lost his debt perception, did he? <laughs> Weirdly, when you've only got one eye. I should say his eye does recover, I think. He couldn't get on the end of crosses. He has got eyesight in both eyes. He didn't blind him. But... <laughs> yeah I mean Barton's pretty unapologetic he's just like he's a shit player he's blaming it on me I don't know it's it's pretty nasty section of the book because it's just not very apologetic I feel like with a lot of um, Joey Barton's descriptions in this book it's a very revisionist narrative <laughs> and he's really like painting the scene that he's he's really sort of the innocent party in this who's just been provoked and there's almost nothing he could have done in that situation like any, any reasonable person would put a would stub a cigar out in their head or eye yeah the thing is even his best version of events is I tried to smash an ashtray over his yeah. head and <laughs> stub a cigar in the back of it and I set him on fire yeah. <laughs> even by any measure that's mental behaviour yeah anyway Barton claims that at this point the die is cast for him in the press that are from this point onwards, he never gets a fair hearing when things go wrong. And this is put to the test only a few months later when he sort of a little bit accidentally runs over a pedestrian at 2am. <laughs> he breaks the guy's leg, but we should say he it was 2am it was in Liverpool City Centre. Barton had not been drinking and he was reversing out. It was a, a Liverpool fan who was celebrating a win over Chelsea. And he did run over the guy's leg, but actually... <laughs> He stayed with the guy until the ambulance came and looked after him. And I think he was enduring quite a lot of abuse while that was happening. It's like Mother Teresa. Mm. <laughs> so I don't know if that incident, he did that much wrong, actually. It was an unfortunate accident. So um, he's saying that the press are giving him stick because of what happened before. Yeah, he's basically which, like, you know, after the Tandy thing, no one, you know, every time I did something went wrong, people blame me, which yeah, that will happen when you, <laughs> you like seriously assault one of your colleagues. Yeah. <laughs> You stub one cigar yeah. out in someone's eye and then for the rest of your life you're tarnished and nutter. Yeah, I mean, if only it was just that one cigar because a few months after that, his horrendous run continues. So now we're in the summer of 2005. City are on their pre-season tour of Thailand. They've played their last fixture. They're in Bangkok and the players want to cut loose. So they have a big piss up and it's 3am in the hotel bar. Barton says, we'd all had a skinful. Anyway, Joey gets talking to this fan who happens to be in the hotel, this bloke and his 15-year-old son, and they're having a nice chat until the bloke insults Robbie Fowler. Barton says he denigrated Robbie Fowler as a coward and a cocaine addict. And Fowler's been something of a mentor to Joey Barton. They're really close friends. And he says, I could feel the red mist start to descend. So pretty soon they're having a big row. Barton basically says, fuck off, leave me alone. I don't want to talk to you. And the 15-year-old son kicks Joey in the shin in anger. 
which is, I don't know, I always found that quite a comic moment. <laughs> Obviously, it's Joey Barton, so he retorts with a smack around the face. And it looks like it's all about to kick off, but the dad wisely, instead of confronting Joey Barton, decides to go and reason with uh, Man City captain Richard Dunn, who's there in the bar. Richard Dunn marches over to Joey and says, you need to apologise right now. Like, what are you doing? And Joey's like, well, I'm not fucking apologising. And pretty soon, Richard Dunn's got Joey against the wall by the throat. And he's like, fucking apologise now. And Joey goes to him, which I've always thought is slightly terrifying. Joey replies, you've got two seconds to let me go. And then he goes, he goes one, two. And then he just, and then he says in his book, I turned feral and sunk my teeth as hard as I could into Dunn's hand. So he bites him, hell. drawing blood. Oh. Dunn obviously like yelps and lets go. And then Joey rugby tackles him through a glass coffee table, glass everywhere, and then picks up a pint glass to smash over his head. But he's tackled by Tim Flowers, who's the Man City goalkeeping coach, who pins him down, like five players bundle on top of him, pin Joey down. And he's like, let me fucking go. Yeah, it's, it's proper chaos. Fuck it. This is like that scene in Train Spotting where Begbie just like sets on, <laughs> on that, like chucks a pint glass over the edge. That's not the end of the incident though, because... While Barton's restrained, the players get him standing and they're all holding him. It's taking like five players to restrain him. Then the dad reappears from the argument and decides this is an opportunity to avenge his son. So he smacks Barton in the face while he's restrained. This causes chaos as everyone goes to stop him and Barton wriggles free and starts chasing the dad through the hotel bar when suddenly a, a ring of armed guards appear. I guess they're like the security guards at the hotel. And... Barton sees them and he says, they had guns, but I had pint glasses, chairs, tables, ashtrays. So he's like lobbing stuff at him, but he's no match for the, for the armed guards and they restrain him. They also pounce on Richard Dunn and Barton is locked up in a room and he says, I started to rip pictures from the wall. There was blood all over the marble floor. I was completely gone, psychotic. And just to cap everything off, Richard Dunn, as he's led away in anger, kicks a plant pot breaks his foot and ends up missing several <laughs> matches. I just love that all of this was kicked off by a 15 year old, like giving him a little kick in the shins. <laughs> <laughs> That's like a mental breakdown, basically. You hear these, these, you hear these kind of stories, like picking up Richard Dunn and throwing him through a glass table and then like lobbing ashtrays at people. Like, He's actually, Joey's actually pretty lucky that he's got through life without actually killing someone. Yeah. Although the other half of me is like, is smashing glass over people's head not as dangerous as I thought? Because he does it so often. Mm. Sort of like a signature move. Yeah. But, I mean, it, I think it is because it's glass. Mm. <laughs> we'll try it next time we're in the pub. <laughs> <laughs> I'll volunteer. <laughs> anyway, in, this isn't even the end of the incident because when the club find out they're obviously livid, Stuart Pierce, who's the manager of Man City by now, he wants Barton thrown in a Thai jail as punishment. And they're pretty nasty Thai jails. I've heard. <laughs> <laughs> I've learned the hard way. So Stuart Pierce wants him thrown in a Thai jail, but eventually club officials like see sense and they're like, we just need to get him out of the country as quickly as possible. So they get him on the first flight home, send him via Zurich so the press can't, you know, are thrown off the scent. He lands back home, goes to bed and he's like, fucking hell, that was mental. I just need to sleep this off. He wakes up in the morning and his brother comes into his room and says, Joey, something awful's happened. And he's like, oh God, let me guess, the press are all outside. They've heard about the Richard Dunn thing. But it turns out it's it's way worse. His other brother has been involved in a fucking horrible murder, racially motivated murder 
of a bloke and it involves an ice axe as well. I, I don't think we want to get into the details. It's really, really unpleasant stuff. And his brother's now on the run. So, you know, to be honest, the Richard Dunn thing suddenly pales in comparison. He's not even really thinking about the Bangkok thing. To his credit, I suppose, he goes on TV and appeals for his brother to hand himself in. Um, he doesn't hand himself in, but he's eventually caught. Uh, he was getting in shit recently because I think it was, was it last week or the week before he was on a podcast and he described that incident as, as a scrap. Yeah. So it wasn't a scrap, mate. He killed someone with an ice axe. Like. Yeah. It, like it's, I, I don't know if he did the actual killing, but I mean, he was convicted for murder and he was certainly very involved in it. Mm. So I, I guess, yeah, I guess he did. It's horrible. Yeah. Really horrible. Anyway, for Joey then, like, I guess this is all a bit of a watershed and Joey agrees to go into anger management classes. And I think this is actually quite a big turning point for him because he goes into this sort of like anger management rehab and it really works. And for a couple of years, he really gets his head down. Yeah, that's the odd disciplinary still, but nothing on the same scale. And things are starting to look really good for him. He's playing really well for City and he gets his first England call up. He plays 17 minutes off the bench in a defeat to Spain. It's a qualifier. It's under Steve McLaren. You know, when England didn't qualify for the Euros, that campaign. And he's kind of expecting to play for England again. Things are going really well. But then, and this is 2007. So this is two years on from Bangkok and from his brother's arrest. His brother's been put away for 17 years. And unfortunately, trouble is about to strike again. Joey goes out a few weeks after his England debut. He goes out to celebrate winning a cap with some mates and they have a great night out. But at the end of it, uh, they get a cab home and they ask the cab driver, can we go via McDonald's drive through? And the cab driver says, no, sorry, I'm not doing that. And this row ensues and uh, the cab driver locks the doors of the car because he thinks they're going to try and run off without paying. And they're like getting increasingly angry with him. And at this point, the cab driver gets on his radio and does this like yellow alert, which apparently is is a basic way of radioing all other cab drivers in the area to come and help him out. Like if you're dealing with an unruly passenger. Yeah. So like the pheromone that wasps give off. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> anyway, so his, his mate and him are like, oh fuck, we're going to get, we're going to get beaten up here. So his mate smashes, you know, the glass divider between you and the cabbie which I've always thought is really thick. It's like perspex. <laughs> but he smashes through it and rips the radio out. It's too late. The cab drivers are coming. <laughs> it's <laughs> the signal has been, the beacon's the been led. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, the pheromone is in the air. And the cab driver, like these hordes of cab drivers turn up. Some of them have baseball bats, apparently, and they chase Joey and his mate. Somehow they get away, but they've recognised that it's Joey Barton. The next day they get picked up by the police and they're charged with criminal damage. And this charge hangs over Joey for months and it's going to court and Steve McLaren calls Joey and is like, look, I'm not going to consider you for the England team while you're, you know, I'm, I, you've got, <laughs> you're a complete fucking nugget. <laughs> not case. <laughs> that aside, <laughs> I've now got a pretext. The, if that's the first thing that's like, yeah. look, yeah. <laughs> you're out of the team. We've, had a, we've had a thing. <laughs> anyway, he says, look, while this is hanging over you, I'm not going to, not going to pick you. Um, so Barton never plays for England again. He actually gets acquitted of the charge because it was his mate who did all the criminal damage and he, I don't think he committed a crime. So he is acquitted, but by then it's too late. He missed these games. And when Fabio Capello comes in, he just says, he's a great player, but I'm not picking a guy who's this likely to get sent off in a match. And that's the end of his England career. He never plays them again. Yeah. Him and Fabio are not a, not a good match. Really, <laughs> I think with Barton, there is no manager who could have handled that. Anyway, not only is his England career over, but his five-year stint at Man City is about to come to an end. Um, 
due to a training ground incident. Usman Darbo joins Man City in, I think in 2007, maybe 2006. And him and Barton don't really get on. Joey takes exception to the fact that Usman Darbo smokes, which he thinks sets a bad example for the younger players, which... It's fair enough, I think. Yeah, I think it's a bit rich, again, given Joey's <laughs> yeah. interaction with the younger players previously. Yeah. I mean, he has punched a child and put a cigar out in the face <laughs> of an academy player in recent years. So it's a bit rich. Anyway, him and Dabo don't get on. He thinks Dabo's, you know, thinks he's the big man. I think they're positional rivals as well. Anyway, they get into this row in training and... There are, needless to say, two versions of this story. Usman Darbo says that he like makes a few comments at Joey, walks away and gets attacked from behind. Joey says that actually Darbo squared up to him. But either way, what they both agree with is that Joey hits him twice and then as he's falling to the ground, hits him again for good measure. And Darbo ends up with all these facial injuries. I think there's talk of a detached retina, but I don't know if that's just one side of the story. Anyway, it's pretty disastrous and joey gets hit with a big fine and a ban and a criminal charge which ends up being a suspended sentence suspended jail sentence and at this point i think all parties agree it's the end of his city career so joey says i was i didn't like the way city handled it and i was the one who wanted to leave i think city would probably say end of the road here (laughs) (laughs) you've had You've had way more than three strikes. Yeah. But what does surprise me three, is... Three, te- three teammates have ended up in hospital because if you... It's probably a sackable offence. Yeah. In most, in most lines of work, anyway. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Anyway, he's City sell him for five and a half million to Newcastle. I'm kind of surprised that so many clubs were interested. Apparently West Ham fancied him too, but I yeah, guess... Yeah, he, he was saying Liverpool as well. He said that Liverpool were going to sign him, but they went for Xabi Alonso instead, which <laughs> in, in, in hindsight was probably probably the right call. Is that why? Because <laughs> he hates Xabi Alonso, doesn't he? he has yeah, this yeah, feud yeah, with yeah. Him. We'll come back to it later, but it, it, it kicks off later with Xabi Alonso. But he, yeah, he ends up going to Newcastle for, for five and a half million. Um, has a bit of a frustrating first few months there. Newcastle aren't doing very well and Joey's out injured for a lot of lot of the the first few months so by the time Christmas rolls around you can imagine he's 
looking forward to getting back, seeing his, seeing his mate, seeing his family and unwinding a bit. So on Boxing Day 2007, Joey's back in the team. He's just come back from injury and Newcastle playing Wigan. And it's a, it's a disappointing result. They end up drawing 1-1. And after the game, Joey's like, all right, that's it. I'm going back home. I've got a night out with my mates. So he does that. He goes out, has a, has a night out in Liverpool town centre, ends up drinking about 10 pints and however many shots. And at 5am, they come stumbling out of whatever club they're at and they get into a little bit of a scrap on the street. So there's, again, different sides to this story. (laughs) Joey says that they were looking for something to eat and there's a big queue outside McDonald's and these group of boys start giving them grief. He says that one of them kicked a girl that he was with and that's what caused him to to retaliate. But what, I mean, we, we watched the CCTV of it before and it is pretty brutal. So Joey just absolutely loses it with this one guy, punches him 20 times. This like 15 year old kid tries to step in. Joey punches him in the face, knocks out two of his teeth. Joey actually said afterwards that watching the CCTV shook me to the core <laughs> because he just he just saw himself absolutely losing it. Does he, he doesn't he almost doesn't know he's doing it when he's yeah, doing that's, it. Yeah, that's that's kind of what what he says that this like red mist just descends and he yeah, he just loses the plot really. But it was it was a brutal assault and he's he's arrested, goes to trial and obviously he's already he's got the suspended sentence for for the Dabo incident which means that he's going to be sent to the slammer and the judge gives him a six month sentence claims to the court that he's a threat to the safety of the public which sounds about right the table would, probably wouldn't disagree one thing i'd say on the cctv though the bloke takes the first punch goes down stands back up and then takes another 19 doesn't mm. go down yeah i mean i mean there are no heroes in this story yeah, yeah. but <laughs> yeah it's uh, surprising yeah it's surprising maybe joe was just so pissed that he, yeah, if Joey Barton hit me, I'm staying down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know what what would have happened if you did that. But anyway, so he he ends up going to jail, which which he describes as like a reunion. Uh, he says that he saw he meets dozens of mates from his childhood. All of his dad's friends are there. They all make an effort to to greet him. But the time that he spends in jail ends up being relatively uneventful. But it's, it sounds absolutely terrifying uh but he he keeps himself busy he runs gym classes for some of the other inmates works in the kitchen and generally sort of keeps himself out of trouble and ends up being released after three months and the following season comes back into the newcastle team um but it's a bit of a shocker for newcastle it's that 2008 2009 season where they're battling relegation the whole season it's that year that Alan Shearer is appointed um, for for about the last eight games of the season, which was a, a real last roll of the dice, just like getting some club legend who's has zero management experience. But Barton, when Shearer takes over, Barton is out injured, so he misses his first few games and eventually comes back. They've got four games left of the season, and Shearer comes to Barton and is like, "Look, Joey, I I need you back in the team. Like, our midfield's been." overrun the last few games like you're our last hope against relegation so he's put into the lineup for big game against Liverpool at Anfield and it doesn't really go to plan Liverpool uh, Newcastle are 
two or three goals down, I think. And in the final 10 minutes, the crowd are, are doing olays. The Liverpool players are loving it. And Joey is just getting more and more wound up and he's really pissed off, especially at Chabi Alonso, who he, he, he has this personal vendetta. He thinks it should be him on the, in the <laughs> Liverpool central midfield. His arch nemesis. Yeah. And he decides that I'm going to, I'm going to hit Chabi. Like I need to, I need to show him who's boss. So eventually his moment comes like Chabi's in the, in the, by the corner flag and Joey slides in like two footed, absolutely takes him out. And he's thinking like, I'm going to get a yellow here, but you know, it's, it's worth it. Hit this bastard. Turns around, looks at the ref and he's got a red card. He's sent off, meaning that he's going to miss the last three games of the season, the, the relegation deciders. So he trudges back to the dressing room and final whistle. The rest of the team comes in. Shearer is absolutely livid, like lays into him. He's about how he's, you know, let yourself down. You let me down. You've let your teammates down. Calls him a shit bag, basically which obviously this doesn't go down too well with Joey, who completely loses it again. Um, like stands up, lobs a water bottle at, at Shearer, calls him a shit manager with shit tactics. These The other senior players have to get in between them to, to stop them from scrapping. And they're just like screaming at each other. One point, Ian Dowie, who's um, Alan Shearer's assistant, steps in. Barton calls him a prick and a boxing glove head. Which, <laughs> which, when you look at your dad, he does look quite like a boxing glove. <laughs> does, he does do insults quite well, doesn't yeah, he? Yeah, he, yeah, he? Doesn't he, does. he say, Joey says, I'm, he says like, I'm an angry, articulate drunk. He's not drunk here, but like, yeah, yeah, he's yeah. one of those guys when he's angry, he gets really articulate with the nasty insults. That's sort of Malcolm Tucker. Yeah. <laughs> Venom. <laughs> yeah, it's quite, that's that's the one like slightly endearing side to his like outbursts is like, he does come up with some quite, like boxing quite good lines. Yeah, yeah boxing <laughs> So yeah, on the creative insults, when he was on his most recent Twitter tirade, he labelled, I believe it was people who didn't agree with his opinions as fart parcels, <laughs> which I've never heard before. What is a fart parcel? I don't know. It's just, just a bag of wind. It's just a, so yeah. I don't know what I don't know what it means, but fucking yeah. eunuchs. Is that, yeah. Yeah, we could say is that what happens when you get castrated? Which <laughs> <laughs> has become a fart parcel. Anyway, so he has this huge row with Shearer, storms out of the dressing room, refuses to get on the coach back to Newcastle, and Shearer, Shearer says, "I never saw him again." Like well, get, he's banned for he's, the rest of the season. Isn't yeah, he? he gets banned from from training and from matches. So that's basically it, and Newcastle are relegated. Never saw him again. Love never it. Never saw him again. Storms yeah. off. I love imagining. Joey Barton and Michael Owen in the same dressing room. I'd like to picture so what their they were, interactions they, they, are. Weirdly, they were mates. They really? Really, yeah, in his book, he's like, there's there's one time where he, I can't remember what the incident is, but he doesn't want to let Michael Owen down. He like really likes Michael Owen. I, I don't know why. You'd mm. never think of that as a combo that would I work. I think they used to get helicopters to training together. <laughs> they did. Oh, that's it. Barton, when he ends up in jail for the Liverpool City Centre incident. He's playing for Newcastle by this point. His first thought when he's in jail is, oh shit, I meant to get a helicopter with Michael Owen and I've let him down. And I think he's even considering using his phone call to ring Michael <laughs> Owen. Be like, Don't worry about the chopper, mate. So he, he, for some reason, he really likes Michael Owen. I don't know if it's mutual. It's unexpected, right? <laughs> Don't worry about it, Joey. But I guess Good luck on were, the inside. They were both um, f- a sort of pushed to the front with Shearer. Shearer was annoyed with both of them because they were both a bit like, oh, I don't know if I'm fit for this run-in. Mm. So maybe they both felt like they were being persecuted. I think he does say something like that. Yeah, he book. says something about they were, they were both sitting in the stand for this match, just like giving Shearer shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
Anyway, he's, he does stay at Newcastle when they get relegated, but he ends up training alone after another falling out with the club. And for some reason, that is the catalyst for the next phase of his career where he, he sort of rebrands as a kind of public intellectual. So you probably remember that he starts tweeting all these cryptic Orwell and Karl Marx quotes. A lot of them, actually, when you Google them, aren't actually quotes from George Orwell and Karl Marx. <laughs> but anyway, but just, just mentioning those names on Twitter is enough for Newsnight and the Oxford Union to invite him on. So he goes on Newsnight, he gets interviewed by Paxman, who introduces him as the man with more criminal convictions than England caps, which is a bit of a nasty <laughs> dig. But it ends up being quite an understanding interview, actually. Um goes to the Oxford Union where he goes down like an absolute treat and he goes on question time. Do you remember that? I do, yeah. We're actually going to just watch a little clip here to see how he does. All you represent to me as UKIP is the best of a bad bunch. So if I'm, in a, if I'm somewhere and there was four really ugly girls, I'm thinking, well, she's, she's <laughs> oh, not dear, the oh, worst because that's all you are. That's all you are to us. That's all you are. The mixed response from the crowd, some of them clapping and some of them like, oh, God. <laughs> yeah, so Barton is talking to a UKIP MEP and he says choosing between you is like choosing between four ugly girls in an election. The seeds of misogyny have been planted <laughs> and the taste of what's to come later. Yeah, it, it's actually, you're right. It foreshadows his new brand of public and intellectual where he's lurched to the alt-right in cell vibe. Mm. Already, even then, he's, he's talking about ugly girls when he's talking about politics. It doesn't actually seem to offend people that much because he, he still continues on this run of getting invited for these like Guardian interviews and stuff. A tweet I really enjoyed that he posted during this phase, sitting, eating sushi in the city, incredibly chilled out reading Nietzsche. <laughs> it's like a first year philosophy student. <laughs> Which to be fair, he was. Do you remember he enrolled in a philosophy course at Roehampton Uni? How long did he last? I don't know. He never gets to that. I think when he's writing the book, he's still talking to the guy, but the philosophy tutor helps him write his book in the end. So I think he stays in touch with it all. He might have completed the course, but that, I just quote, that quote is just <laughs> pure try-hard student, isn't it? <laughs> also, you know, he, he starts tweeting a lot of stuff from Marx, uh, a lot of Karl Marx quotes, although his commitment to public ownership is slightly tested when some squatters break into a house he owns and take it over. And you might think that Joey would sort of go and meet them and reason with them and, you know, maybe even discuss forming a sort of workers' cooperative. But instead, he calls them heroin-riddled bastards and threatens to release tarantulas and snakes through the letterbox. Champagne Marxist. Cigar Marxist. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, he, it, it kind of fades out after that, all the like TV appearances and he gets back to playing, doesn't he? Yeah. So in 2011, he leaves Newcastle and signs for QPR on, so QPR come in for him that summer and he's driving down to London with his agent to, to meet Neil Warnock and sign when his agent's phone rings and the name on the phone pops up, it's Sir Alex Ferguson. So his agent answers and it's this, the unmistakable Glaswegian tones of, of Sir Alex and the agent's chatting to Sir Alex for a little while and he's like, can you put me on to Joey? And Sir Alex is like, what's, what's all this I'm seeing about QPR? You come up here to Carrington, we'll have a chat. And Joey's like, oh my God, at, at last, like a, a big club manager has finally seen sense. Like this is, this is it. So he turns to his agent and is like, it's like, turn, turn the car around. We're going. And his agent's like, yeah, yeah, and just carries on. He's like, what are you doing? Turn, turn the car around. We're going to, we're going to Manchester and looks at his agent and his agent bursts out laughing. 
and turns out that it was a friend of his agent who does a killer Sir Alex impersonation <laughs> and they they pranked him. That is cruel, that is I think. Brave. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like your, so your agent is doing that. Like, it's interesting he doesn't get violent about that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a fantastic prank. Um, <laughs> anyway, you can then you can imagine his... Uh, how he's feeling when he then pulls up at QPR and like, Neil Warnock's way. <laughs> the unmistakable teal tones of Loftus Road. Yeah, he, yeah. he refers to it as a student digs turn stadium, yeah, yeah, doesn't yeah. he? He basically yeah. says I was only there for the money. Yeah, he, d- he literally says that later, which didn't go down too well with the QPR fans. <laughs> um, but anyway, he, he does end up signing for QPR. Neil Warnock makes him captain. And it's another tough season for Joey. So QPR are battling relegation the whole year. There's one game... Barton gets subbed off and the QPR fans boo him as he as he's going off. Um, but they're still kicking at the end of the season and QPR are involved in this incredibly famous, right, one of the most famous ma- football matches ever, the the title decider with Man City. So Man City need to win to to seal the title and QPR need a draw or for or for Bolton not to win to to guarantee the safety. And it's all kind of going to plan for QPR. 55th minute, they're drawing 1-1 when Barton loses his head and elbows Carlos Tevez in the face and he's sent off. And as he's walking off the pitch, he sort of hovers there for a minute and then you see his eyes lock on Sergio Aguero. He goes up behind him, knees him in the top of the leg. Aguero falls to the ground. Players surround Barty, then tries to headbutt Vincent Company before being like led away, he gets dragged off the pitch by Micah Richards. There was a recent podcast with Bobby Zamora where he was recalling this incident. He was he said that he basically, when he saw that Barton was about to be sent off, went up to him and sort of whispered to him, like, take one of them with you, as in like start a scuffle and get one of them sent off. So I think that was Barton's thinking behind doing that. He obviously didn't know his own strength when he said <laughs> Aguero like tumbling to the floor. Are you sure he didn't misinterpret take one of them with you as like injure one of them? Oh, yeah, it could be, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know. Just like, <laughs> the fact he went for Balotelli implies he was looking for a, a red for mm. them. Anyway, after the game, his feud with Alan Shearer bubbles up again when Shearer and the rest of the match of the day panel give him shit on, on match of the day. Um, for the red card he then Barton then goes on Twitter he calls Shearer a prick a bell and a boring man and says that he he wears better shirts than him on TV <laughs> <laughs> again quite funny so yeah and yeah, he also says that he's got better hair than Shearer which isn't yeah. hard to be fair <laughs> at this point um, Gary Lineker wades in and starts defending um, Shearer on Twitter and and Barton calls him an odious little toad and threatens to expose the skeletons in your vast closet. Yeah. Which I'm not sure exactly what that, what he's referring to. There. Love to know. I'd love to, yeah. <laughs> but that's, that's kind of curtains for his QPR career as well. They, he, he gets a 12 match ban after this and QPR stripping the captaincy and he, they decide to sell him. And he then makes a bit of a left field move, goes to Marseille, which I, th- I think is a really cool move actually. And quite appropriate because they've got fans who are, kind of as hot-headed as he is. I remember a couple of years ago, um, Andre Villas-Boas resigned from Marseille because the fans stormed the training ground, trashed his office and stole his briefcase and were like threatening to kill the the owner. So anyway, I think he's quite a good fit for, for Marseille. And they welcome him on his first game with a, with a banner that reads, Welcome Sweet and Tender Hooligan. 
Because um, he's a big Smiths fan. I mean, that's the kind of thing that Joe Barton would absolutely love. Yeah. It's kind of description, a sweet and tender hooligan. Yeah. That's, he does love them. Like he was in, do you remember he, when they played West Ham last season, he was in the away end with the Marseille fans. Yeah. He's yeah, kept yeah. that connection with them. Yeah. He's, he's, he's one of them. <laughs> in every respect. But it's a cool city, Marseille. This spell at Marseille also uh, spawns one of the greatest Joe Barton clips when he decides in a interview to help his uh, French, <laughs> to help the French journalist understand him. He decides to put on a French accent. As I say, yesterday I make one tackle and all everybody speak about is this tackle. Nobody speaks about uh, a 50-yard pass that kills Balmont and, and it causes a red card for him. Um, I'm a little bit bored, you know, from the English media and hopefully the French media is has more about it than the, the English media and, and concentrate on uh, uh, li- stupid little uh, incidents like this. He's Argentine and I'm English. It's big difference, big, big difference. <laughs> a big ocean, the Atlantic. My favourite part about this is that he also goes with the, the like facial expressions as well. He's like, I don't, I don't, I don't. nobody talk about this, uh, this long pass. Uh, with him. With, uh, with him, yes. <laughs> Do you think it's better than the Steve McLaren Dutch one? Uh, yeah, yeah, so oh, good. It is great, f- isn't it? I remember that. He, he <laughs> claims that he did it to make it easier for the translator and that he was asked to do it. <laughs> but he, he claims in his book that the translator was like, look, it would be helpful if you just like kind of uh, pronounce a bit French. Which... It's almost as good as prank as his agent did. So yeah. Yeah. Made yeah. To do it, yeah. <laughs> so good. Are you sure his agent wasn't behind that? Yeah. <laughs> well, I think it is better than the Steve McLaren one because of the like expression, the shrug, oh, the Gallic yeah, shrug. Uh, yeah. The Steve McLaren one is good too. Mm. You know when he goes, Arsenal, Champions League? <laughs> this is how you say a dream come true. <laughs> <laughs> oh, decent I don't think I've seen that. Oh, we'll we'll uh, do Steve McLaren episode yeah. at some point. There's quite a lot there. Um, <laughs> anyway, he, he gets back to his, his usual form on Twitter when he calls Tiago Silva an overweight ladyboy um, and gets himself a two-match ban. He spends a season at Marseille and then comes back to back to the UK. First, he does a season at Burnley and then goes up to Scotland with Rangers. Uh, signs a two-year deal, which is then cancelled after eight games when he fights a teammate in training the day after a 5-1 loss to Celtic. James, because you feel like Old Firm could have been really good for Joey Barton. Yeah, I, th- I think it. I think it probably would. They love really that. bad for him. Yeah, what do we mean his by first, good? His first Old Firm derby ends with him like beating up a teammate in training. So. <laughs> I think yeah. uh, what I mean is, you think he would have really embraced it and connected with the fans like he did in Marseille. Yeah. He then um, goes back south, joins Burnley, only plays there for three months before he's given an eighteen-month ban for betting. He's he'd mm-hmm. placed a lot of bets, including and on matches that he was playing in, and gets this eighteen-month ban, which basically calls the curtain on his career. Yeah, that's the end of the playing career. Yeah. Right? He goes into management pretty quickly. I don't know if the ban affects that, but he first of all takes over at Fleetwood Town, League One side. His reign there is probably best known for an incident where he left the stadium in cuffs after Barnsley manager Daniel Stendel had two teeth knocked out. So I should say at the beginning of this that Barton was acquitted of the charges, but he, he is charged with assault and it goes to court. And Stendhal claims that basically six months earlier, Barton had given him a really painful handshake in the post-match handshake to intimidate him. And then in their next meeting that um, Barton had taken exception to Stendhal celebrating his side's goals. And yeah, I mean, 
seems a bit unreasonable. Both of, the, both of those things seem, seem pretty... Uh, Very petty. Yeah. He, yeah, Stendhal admits to calling Barton a scally. Anyway, then what happens next is obviously disputed, but this is from the court report. Footage shows Barton running into the tunnel shortly after Stendhal and the structure shaking slightly a moment <laughs> later. A different camera then catches Mr. Stendhal being carried towards the dressing rooms with blood on his face and he loses a couple of teeth. He claims that Barton pushes him into a metal bar. But Joey's acquitted. And there's actually another criminal trial for him around the same time because he's charged with the assault of his wife. She calls 999 and says that he punched and kicked her after they'd had like five bottles of wine each. But she later refuses to testify and he's acquitted of that as well. Wasn't there, wasn't there also a story from his stag do? He has his stag do around like 2018 or something in Newquay and him and his mates get kicked out of this pub and a fight breaks out on Newquay Beach as like these two groups of guys scrapping each other. <laughs> My favourite part of it was they interviewed somebody who was on the beach and who said it was extremely violent. It totally ruined the bank holiday atmosphere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nothing says bank holiday atmosphere like Joey Barton and his yeah. mates. Turning yeah. up. <laughs> They're trying to enjoy a 99 flake and <laughs> some deck chairs. Someone's getting their head kicked in on the... <laughs> In, in fairness, I don't think Joey was the one throwing punches in that scenario, but it was his stag do. It was his mate. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like, are there certain people who can just get in a fight in any scenario? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. On yeah. bank holiday. On you can, you of all days. Yeah. <laughs> Joey leaves Fleetwood Town around the time of those court cases, but pretty soon he gets the job at Bristol Rovers, um, which is probably most famed for the incredible way he secures promotion. They go into the final day of the season, Bristol Rovers, needing seven goals to go up. So no one's giving them a chance, but they do it. They win 7-0. And it's, it's must be one of the most famous final day games or since he got sent off in the Aguero mm. game. Mm. Um, and uh, the Bristol Rovers fans go mental. So do the players. It's, it's huge for them. And they go back up. But my favourite Joey Barton Bristol Rovers moment was when he tweeted a picture of his tactics board. So <laughs> tactics board includes quite a lot of just like cliches. He scrawled on it, like three points available, big start, play in their half. Um, one I really liked, a bit of tactical advice here, goal mouth action. And then he writes in brackets, none in ours. And then in brackets, loads in theirs. <laughs> and then weirdly for Joey Barton, there's like this column of, of sort of like really cheery slogans. He says, be brave, you're unique, a one-off, a true superstar, and then draws a little <laughs> smiley face. Enjoy. <laughs> They're like little like badges that you get at primary school. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think this sunny disposition lasted very long, though, because he ends up laying into a player, Luke Thomas, calling him a weak and feeble-minded individual who needs eradicating. Um, and Joey gets sacked quite soon after. That was earlier this season. And that has led to his latest... Um, I don't know what you call it. <laughs> Outburst, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Cause he, he kind of went quiet for for a couple of months after that. And then in the past week or so, he's just reappeared with a vengeance and has just been on this absolute Twitter rampage about female commentators being, yeah, unqualified to speak about the men's game, which, yeah. And like we said before, anyone who disagrees with him is a eunuch. Um, and a fart and parcel. And a fart parcel. Do <laughs> you rather be a eunuch or a fart parcel? <laughs> I think I'd rather be a fart parcel. So what are you just like a bit of, I'm picturing like a bit of pastry, like a phyllo <laughs> parcel with, with a fart in it. Or you can be a human with no balls. Is that a sort of Christmas, a Christmas canapé? Yeah. <laughs> Delicious. Till you open it. 
<laughs> we forgot to mention actually this is a bit of a, a bit of a Christmas special with uh, Joey's outing at the Man City Christmas party. Yeah, yeah what more Christmassy topic? Yeah, <laughs> Joey Bard stubbing a cigar out of somebody's eye at the Christmas party. But yeah, anyway, he he has completely lost it now. It does seem he just seems to me like he's just angling for a job at GB News. Really. Mm. It's a long job interview because every day there's just more tweets. Mm. Yeah, and I think he's jumped onto the fact that you can make a career now by being this somewhat contrarian sort of controversy fart parcel. <laughs> it's a weird turn from the guy who went to like Lucian Freud exhibitions with The Guardian 10 years ago. Yeah. That I was mean, his original. Mm, eating sushi mm. in the park, it's reading probably, Nietzsche, yeah, feeling chill. Chilling out with Nietzsche. <laughs> it's probably not a weird term when you consider everything we've just discussed though. It's probably quite fitting, right? He's mental. Yeah. I said, like, the tweets are becoming more and more unhinged now. Do you think this is like a Kanye moment? You know how Kanye just lost it and became an anti-Semite? Yeah, I I, mm. I don't know. It feels more calculated than that. Yeah. All right, bigger or lesser psychopath than John Fashnu? <laughs> uh, I think it's hard to be as much of a psychopath as John Fashnu. I, I think, yeah, I think Big John wins it for me. Interesting. Nah, Joey, every yeah. day. The, the sheer consistency of his violence. Like, mm. it is, it's crazy how little time in prison that he spent given the assaults that are on his record. And also, like, I mean, like, any one of those, you know, where he says the red mist descends and he just beats the shit out of someone. Like, he could have fucking killed someone. Yeah. Like, it's really, like, if you had to dangerous ins- behavior. If you had to insult one of them to their face, you'd choose fashion, surely. He'd probably be quite calm and then later dissolve your body <laughs> <Yeah>. in acid. <laughs> In the bath. <laughs> I think Joey's more likely to headbutt you and John's more likely to, yeah. Cut you into tiny pieces. <laughs> yeah. Let's so hope you didn't hear this podcast then. <laughs> Both of them. Yeah. Um, all right. I think that's all we've got time for. Yeah. Um, if you enjoyed this slightly harrowing rundown of Joey Barton's career, then please share it with your mates and hit subscribe. Thanks, George. My pleasure, Jack. And thanks, Zach. Thank you. Cheers. 